Hey, welcome to Church Alive. Our mission is to reach, teach, and empower people to impact their generation for Christ. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy the message. Good morning. How are we doing? You guys excited this morning? All right, I'm so excited that I get to share with you guys this morning. If you don't know me, my name is Katie and I'm a pastor on team here. And I'm really excited for today. If this is your first time, welcome. We're honored to have you. And we have amazing senior pastors who lead this church, Pastor Miriam and Pastor Anthony. And sometimes we can get used to coming to a church like this, and we can get used to just everybody being so excited and life-giving and passionate, and we forget that some people have actually sacrificed a lot to make this happen. And we would not be here without their sacrifice. I would not be here without their sacrifice. I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing without them. So right now, can we just take a minute and honor our senior pastors? All right, let's pray before we get into the word this morning. Father, we thank you so much for today. Lord, I thank you for every single person here, for all of your children, Lord. And we pray right now that you would speak a word to us, that our hearts would be open, our ears would be open to hear from you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Thank you, worship team. All right, so we are in a series called Staycation, and uh, Steve brought an awesome word last week, and we're going to continue with Staycation, and I don't know about you, but um, I cannot do the whole Staycation thing. Like, no, like, I have to go away. Like, I can't stay here and have a vacation. I have to have a real vacation. And um, if you know me, you know that I'm originally from California, so all my family lives there. I don't have any family here except for my church family. And, uh, you know, yeah, but, um, but they all live there. So when I say I'm going on vacation, what I really mean for anyone who knows what it's like to be away from family is I'm just going to go visit everybody and run around and do everything they want to do. I'm not actually, like, vacationing, right? I think there's two different kinds of people. There's people who love to, like, go on tours on vacation and like see things and all this kind of stuff. And then there's people who like want to sit by the pool and on a hammock. I don't care about seeing anything. That's what Google is for. I don't need to go. Like we're good. And um, my family doesn't feel the same way. And especially because when I go, everybody's like, well, we haven't seen you in eight months. We have to catch up. We have to talk about all these things in life. And we need to go do activities together. I don't think we do. I think we can catch up by the pool, but it's okay. So my parents, <laughs> my parents are the worst at this. And um, every time I go home, it's like we're going hiking or we're going on some adventure. I don't know why. And um, I went home a couple weeks ago. And they were like, hey, Katie, we just want to let you know, because they know I'm, like, sensitive to this now. Um, we just want to let you know that when you come home, you're coming home during our annual race. And I was like, okay, what is, what is that? And um, they're, like, in their 50s, right? And they, you know, they like to run still. I don't know. And so they're like, it's, it's <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> People, <laughs> you can like to run at any age. Um, sorry. I'm, I'm not baffled at the age. I'm baffled at liking to run in general. Let me just, um, you know. But anyway, so what was I saying? Oh, so they wanted to go on this race, and they were like, it's a six-hour race. Um, why? 
Don't, don't know why. I don't want to run a six-hour race in my normal everyday life, so I'm not sure why we're doing this on vacation, but it's cool. And so they're like, you know, we have to go away for it. We have to be in a hotel for a couple days. Like, they were serious. And, um, you know, what you do is it's a three-mile course, and you run as many miles as you can for six hours. And then when it's over, you're like, woohoo, you won the most, or woohoo, you're still alive. And so <laughs> that's just... <laughs> That's just what you do with this race. So the way they got me to do it was they signed up. They signed me up and said, you know, you should do it because you're going to be with us. But you can just walk around. Don't worry. And if you've ever been to a long race like this, you know that they involve food stations because they can't have you run that much without providing food, right? So I was like, it's going to be good because I'll just walk around and eat at the different stations while you all run. It's good. If you give me food, I'm game to try most anything, most anything. So I was like, you know, we'll do it. I'll walk around. It's going to be great. I'm going to try all this food. And then um, I got there, and there was something about, like, everybody getting excited about running. I don't know if you, if anyone in here is, like, competitive, but there was something in, like, in me that was like, oh, everybody's, like, real about this. Like, it's 6 a.m., and people have on, like, real running attire like this is crazy and um I just like was at the starting line when everybody was starting and I was like you know let me actually try to run first like I have six hours I can walk and eat you know later let me try to actually run because the reason why I came here actually I, I don't think I mentioned that um when I was 18 is because I started playing softball and um, I got offered a scholarship to play at a school over here and so most of my life I had been working out a lot if you've ever played like a college sport, competitive sport, you know the workouts are crazy. They wake you up at 5 a.m. for no reason um, except for to, you know, get fitter. And so, you know, I was so used to doing that, but it's been a couple years, and I haven't tried to run since then. So I was like, I don't know if I can still do this. I don't know if I'm still physically fit enough to do it. And there was something about me when I was at the start that was like, but let me just see. Like, I want to see if I can do it. And so I started, and then it was a mile in, two miles in, three miles in. I was like, wow, I can still do this. This is awesome. But then I realized that people actually train for these kind of races. Um, and the reason why is because I couldn't walk the next day. I stepped in a hole at, like, the 11th mile and hurt my foot. It still hurt. So if I fall over, that's why. Um, but, yeah, it just wasn't it wasn't a good plan. Like, I should have trained. So don't take that part away from it. Like, make sure you train for those things. But the thing that was so exciting was that I actually could do more than I thought I could. There was actually this lie in me that was like, oh, I don't think I can do that anymore. I feel like I have limits now because I have a job now. Ain't nobody working out like how I was working out before. Like, I have to go to work, you know. So, so there was this part of me that was like, I don't know if I can do this anymore and it was so exciting to be able to see no I actually can do it and that's that's a little bit of a silly example with this but sometimes lies in our head and limits in our head can start as subtly as that as little as that you know I used to be able to do this but I feel like I can't do this anymore you know I used to be strong in this area but now three people came and told me this lie about myself and I've started to believe it you know I used to be so on fire for God but I just feel these lies coming that I've made too many mistakes and I'm so far away now from who I used to be and so today I want to talk about dominating lies dominating lies and like I said, we can start to believe lies because of experiences we've had, things people have told us, things we've even told ourselves. But what lies do is they paralyze us. They hold us back. They make us not want to step out into who God is calling us to be. And John 8, 31 to 32 says, To the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really 
my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. We can't be set free until we know the truth and we hold on to the truth. And I'm never going to know if it's a lie if I don't know what the truth is, if I don't know what Jesus actually says about me, if I don't know my worth, my value, if I don't know the truth, I'm never going to know when it's a lie. So it's important that we hold on to the truth of God's word. And sometimes we can feel like, you know, maybe I've heard, you know, some of these truths a while ago, maybe when I was younger and I actually believed them at one point. But then sometimes a year goes by, two years, three years, and we get to this point where we're like, I'm so far away from the truth. I know I've heard it before, but I've let all the lies from the world, from other people, from experiences come in, and I've kind of lost that truth because I didn't hold onto it. We actually have to hold on to the truth or it gets away when we start to listen to all the other lies. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 5 says, "We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ." We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. What that means is I don't just hear a lie or a negative thought and go, okay, I'm going to forget about it. I'm going to listen to it later. I mean, sometimes I do that, but it's not what we're supposed to do. <laughs> like, I'll just, you know, okay, I'm going to just let it go. I'm going to ignore it. We actually have to take it captive and then say, okay, but what is the truth? Because I can't just ignore it. I have to replace this with the truth. And I have to get that truth so far down on the inside of me so that what I'm living out of now is the truth and not the lie. Just ignoring it isn't enough. We actually have to lift up all of our lies, all of the beliefs, everything we're thinking in prayer up to the word of God, to the Bible, and say, okay, God, show me where I'm believing the lies. Show me what your truth is and help me to get it so far down in me that that's what I'm living my life based on. And so today I just wanted to talk about a couple of lies, and maybe some of these lies aren't ones that you're believing right now. Maybe they are, but I've really been praying that wherever we're, wherever we're at today, the Holy Spirit is really just going to speak to you about maybe something that you need to shift in your belief. And so the first lie is certain people have special access. Certain people have special access. Ephesians 3.12 says, Because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. Because of Christ and our faith in him. Sometimes we can think that access to God is because of a title, is because of a last name, is because of what we're doing. But access to God is actually because of what Jesus had do has done for us and because we believe what Jesus has done for us. So we believe that Jesus died on a cross, rose from the grave to forgive our sins and our mistakes, past, present, and future, meaning nothing can separate us from God now because of what Jesus did, meaning no matter what yesterday looked like, I can come in today and still have access to God because of what Jesus did. So I have access. The truth is you have access. We have access to God because of what Jesus did and because we believe what Jesus did. That's it. That's how we come confidently and boldly into the presence of God. But sometimes, and maybe I'm the only one who feels this way. Maybe everybody else is perfect, which is awesome. Um, but sometimes we come in and we, like, had this super Christian week. Like, 
we just, you know, prayed for everybody, had a great time. It was a great week. And we feel like, yeah, I could pray. I can come to church. I feel super confident because I did all these great things this week. And then next week, maybe we didn't pray at all. Maybe we messed up a lot. And we feel like our access is somehow just not there anymore. We feel like it's hard to access because of what we've done. And Ephesians 2.8 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. So what does that mean? It means that my works don't determine my access. It means that what I did last week, what I did yesterday doesn't determine my access. All I have to do is believe and choose to access. And and sometimes we can feel like, and I used to feel like this, like people who preach or people who are pastors or people who are leaders have like this secret special access. Like there's like a secret door that none of us know about because they're just like super spiritual. And then I became a pastor and there was no secret door. I was looking for it. I was trying. I haven't found it yet. The only way to access is to believe and then pray and read his word and access. James 4.8 says, come near to God and he will come near to you. So we all have access. We just have to come. And the second lie is, I need what someone else has in order to run my race. I need what someone else has in order to run my race. And for this, I want to talk about 1 Samuel for a minute. And just some background on where we're going to jump into in 1 Samuel. is Samuel is a prophet for the nation of Israel. What that means is he seeks God and prays to God on their behalf, and then he tells the leaders of Israel what God is saying. So they're going into battle against all these nations, and God will give Samuel insight, like, go here, do this. And so this is how they're winning all these battles. And then they get to a point where Samuel's getting old, and he has sons, but his sons aren't really following in the same way he's following. So the elders of Israel are like, okay, we, we have to do something. We have to change this. And so they approach Samuel, and in verse 5 it says, they said to him, so these are the elders of Israel speaking, they said to Samuel, you are old, and your sons do not follow your ways. Now appoint a king to lead us, such as all the other nations have. But when they, said that, when they said, give us a king to lead us, this displeased Samuel. So he prayed to the Lord, and the Lord told him, listen to all that the people are saying to you. It is not you they have rejected, but they have rejected me as their king, as they have done from the day I brought them up out of Egypt until this day, forsaking me and serving other gods. Now they are doing to you. Now listen to them, but warn them and let them know what the king who will reign over them will claim as his rights. So they're saying to Samuel, we have seen that all the other nations have a king, like a physical king to lead them into battle, but we don't. We've just been hearing from you and hearing from God, and we want a king. We want you to give us a king. And he's talking to God, and God is saying they have missed it. They have misunderstood that I am their king, that I am the one leading them, that I am the one giving them the victory, that they don't need another man to do it. But again, they're forgetting that I'm the one who's giving them the victory because they're looking at what everybody else has and thinking they need what someone else has in order to run their race. And so he warns them, he says, you know, Samuel warns them and says, this is what God says, if I give you a king, this is what's going to happen. And then they respond in verse 19, but the people refused to listen to Samuel. 
No, they said, we want a king over us. Then we will be like all the other nations with a king to lead us, to go out before us and fight our battles. So again, they didn't understand. It's reiterated twice. They see what other nations have, and that's what they want, not understanding what God is calling them to. Have you ever looked at someone or looked at a situation and thought, I know that I should be doing this, or I feel like maybe Jesus is calling me to do this, but I can't do it because the person that does stuff like that has this. The people who have things like that, the people who have jobs like that, the people who do this have certain families. They have certain jobs. They have certain connections. I can't do this because I don't have what someone else has. Those people, they don't have my history. Those people, they don't have my mistakes. I cannot do what God is calling me to do until I get what everybody else has. 2 Corinthians 10, 12 says, we do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise. They're not wise. We're not wise when we compare ourselves. And for me, just being really honest, I was talking about how all of my family lives in California. So when I first started and felt like God wanted me to stay here and, and serve here, I was like, but why? Like, all my family is in California. This is really hard. And every time I would look around, and you know what always, like, looks worse or better in your mind? Like, you're looking around, you're like, but everybody's happy. Everybody has a perfect family. Not true, but that's just what your mind does. I'm like, everybody has this. Why do I have to be here and my family has to be in California? I need what everybody else has. But God has always given me what I need for my journey, and God will give you what you need for your journey if you follow him. And the third lie, I really like this one, is <laughs> if it is hard or I don't always like it, it is not from God. I really, I really wish this was, like, true, though. But it's a lie. If it is hard or I don't always like it, it is not from God. You know, sometimes we can understand things being hard and us needing to work through them in other areas of life. Sometimes we can, you know, go to work and we can understand, okay, I may have to be in this job right now to get to that job. And it may be hard, but I know that it's going to be worth it because I know what's on the other side. So it's hard, but I'm going to push through it because I know what's on the other side. Or even if it's physically, if you're working out, I know I have to do these weights to get to those weights. I know I have to embrace the pain here to get there. But for some reason, when we talk spiritually and we talk our relationship with Jesus and it gets hard, everybody's like, oh, no, must not be God. God must be somewhere else because this just got hard. So it, it can't be spiritual because spiritual is like, I'm just chilling by the pool. Like, but sometimes it's hard. And James 1, 2 says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work in you so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So in order to be the people that God has called us to be, we actually have to persevere. We actually have to get on the other side of some of the hard things. So it doesn't mean that every hard thing is a God thing, but it doesn't mean that everything that's hard isn't. It just means that we shouldn't stop because it gets hard. We should say, Jesus, I know this got hard, but I'm going to seek you. I'm going to get access to you. I'm going to make sure this is where you want me to walk through, and I'm not going to stop because it's hard. 
John 16:33 says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So God never promises that we're not going to have trouble. He never promises that it's not going to be hard. He just says, I'm going to be with you all the time. I'm going to take care of it. I'm not going to leave you alone. And I remember one time I was in, when I was in college, it was my first year of college. And, um, you know, first year away from home in college, everybody kind of goes crazy. Not me, but everybody else did. And um, I was, you know, trying to follow Jesus. And um, I called one of my friends from back home who was older than me and had been, you know, walking with Jesus longer than me because I kind of just hit like this hard spot, like where it was just hard to follow Jesus and be in college and people were just not being very nice. And I called like saying that I wanted advice. Have you ever called anyone and said like, I want advice? Um, But really all you want is their sympathy. Like, I don't really want advice. I just want you to be like, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry your life is hard. You don't have to do this. Like you can go back. It's okay. Don't follow Jesus. Just go get chocolate covered strawberries and chill. That sounds so good right now. I love chocolate-covered strawberries. Um, Like, that's what I wanted. But instead, when I told her that things were hard, that people were saying mean things, that I wasn't sure that I wanted to do this, she was like, why are you surprised? And I was like, oh, um, because people are supposed to be nice? Like, she was like, no, why are you surprised? You read the Bible, right? And I was like, yeah. And she was like, The Bible says Jesus never promises that it's not going to be hard. He just says he's going to be with you. The Bible says you're going to have persecution. The Bible says not everybody's going to like your faith or like you. The Bible says that sometimes it's going to be hard. He never promises that it's not going to be. So, and I was like, I'm going to call a different friend. This is, I need need somebody who's just going to sit with me. No, but, but it was really, really good. And it, it wasn't, she wasn't trying to belittle anything I was going through. And this isn't to belittle anything that anyone's going through because sometimes hard is hard, but it just means that we have to make sure that it's a Jesus thing and not stop because it's hard. God's going to be there with us through it, but we have to not stop every time it looks like, Oh, I don't know. We just have to trust him with the process. And then the last lie is I'm too far gone for God to revive my life. I'm too far gone for God to revive my life. And for this one, I want to read um, in, in John chapter 11. There's this man named Lazarus who Jesus loves. He has sisters. He has a family. He's a really loved guy. He gets sick. And Jesus knows about it. And then he ends up dying. And Jesus shows up four days later. So we're going to pick it up in verse 32. So this is four days after the guy is dead. And Mary is his uh, sister. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. So she believed that if Jesus had been there four days before, her brother would have lived. That Jesus had the power to heal her brother four days ago. So that's a certain kind of belief, right? Like this is someone who believes in Jesus. She believes Jesus is God. She believes Jesus has healing power. Okay. But he could have healed him four days ago. That's where her belief stops. In verse 38, it says, Jesus once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take the stone away, he said. But the Lord said, but Lord said, Martha, the sister of the dead man. By this time, there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. It's really gross. 
Bible gives a lot of details sometimes. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have always heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to him, take off the grave clothes and let him go. They all believed him to a certain point. They all believed that he could have healed him four days ago. But then they get to the situation where he's there. He's at the tomb. This is the same Jesus. This is the same God you believed that four days ago could have healed this situation. But now because the situation looks too dead, it looks too gone, it looks like I've made too many mistakes, it looks like things have been too messed up, now I'm having a hard time believing that God can actually revive this thing. And um, I've told this story before, but I'm going to tell it again. Um, there was this time in our church, and, and it's happened with a lot of people, to be honest, because this is a normal struggle in our faith. But there was one time in particular when we were all down in the front, and I was praying for different people, and someone who had been so on fire with her faith, so excited about Jesus, praying, coming, just really pumped up. All of a sudden, it was like there was a light switch, and it just flicked off. And I remember just feeling like, man, what happened to this person? It was a younger girl. And I was like, what happened? And she came up to me, she's crying. I was like, hey, what's going on? And she was like, you know, I was so excited, but then I started making mistakes and I made this really big mistake. And now I feel so separate from God. And I don't know what to do. I feel like I can't come anymore. I feel like it's hard to pray. I don't even really wanna be in church because I feel like I made this huge mistake. And I remember telling her, most of this stuff. I remember saying, remember that the reason why Jesus died was to forgive us from our sins, past, present, and future, to set us free, that there's nothing that can separate us from God. No mistake that you did can separate you from God. And I remember talking to her and saying this, and I remember that her, she was just having a really hard time. And she was like, but this mistake is just too big. And she was like, and it feels like everybody else here is perfect. And I was like, let me tell you, <laughs> Everybody is not perfect. I am not perfect. And she was like, yeah, but I feel like church is like, you know, everybody in here is perfect. And I was like, nobody in church is perfect because none of us have not made a mistake. We've all made mistakes. That's why we need Jesus. And I remember looking at her and saying, you know, if you want a church, if you want the church to be people who are only perfect, let's do it. But then we all got to leave. And I was like, and I'll, I'll lead the way out. Let's go get tacos. You want it to be perfect. I can't stay here. We might as well eat. Like, it's not, <laughs> I know. That's my professional pastoring right there. Let's go get tacos. But because it's so true, we think sometimes everybody else looks perfect. Everybody else has it together. We don't. It's only Jesus that can revive us. It's only Jesus that can revive our life. And there's nothing too far gone that Jesus can't revive. So maybe some of these lies connected with you or maybe you felt like the Holy Spirit showed you some different lies that you've been believing. It's so important that we take these lies and we hold them up to God and we say, God, show me the truth. Get the truth so far down inside of me that these lies don't define me. These lies don't lead my life anymore. Your truth does. So right now, if I can just ask for everyone to bow their head and close their eyes. Maybe you feel like, some of those lies did speak to you, or there's some different ones right now. 
just pray in your heart and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal any lies that you feel like you've been believing and for him to fill you with the truth. So Father, right now, I just pray for every single person within the sound of my voice. Lord, I pray that you would just fill them up with your truth. Holy Spirit, would you show us where we've been believing lies and where we've been letting those lies lead us? And would you fill us with your truth? Would you get your truth so far down in us, Father, that that's what's guiding us? In Jesus' name, and with your eyes closed, if you feel like, I want to follow Jesus. I have never really put my faith in Jesus. I may not even be sure what it's going to look like, but I know I want this truth you're talking about. There's something in me that wants this truth that's tired of believing the lies and the negativity. If that's you right now, or maybe you used to go to church, maybe you grew up in church, but you feel so distant from Jesus right now, I just want to ask, we're just going to say a prayer in a minute and give everyone an opportunity to run back to Jesus. And the prayer is just going to, you're going to repeat it after me. We're all going to say it. But it's basically just going to say, Jesus, we love you, we thank you, and we want to follow you. So right now, just repeat after me, Jesus. Thank you so much for dying for me. I want to follow you. Help me follow you. In Jesus' name. Amen. And just keep your eyes closed just for one second longer. If you feel like that was you, you feel this tug on the inside, you want to follow Jesus today on the count of three, just raise your hand so I can pray for you. One, two, three. Put your hand up if that's you. I see those hands. I see all those hands. I see that hand. See that hand. Thank you. Just keep raising them if that's you. Jesus' name. Yep, I see that hand. All right, you can lower them. Thank you so much, Father. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for every single person who ran home to you today. Lord, I pray your hedge of protection around them. Lord, that you would just remove any lies and replace them with your truth. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you want to hear more empowering messages and learn more about Church Alive, make sure to follow us on social media and check out our website at churchalive.tv. We hope to see you this weekend. Have a great week.